Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles, turn to 1 Chronicles 29. I want to share the word God has given me for this house this morning. I want to talk to you about being owners or stewards of God's resources and blessings in our life. You know, read the book of Acts. Every time the Holy Spirit moved on people's lives, it changed the way they thought but what they called theirs, about their stuff. It changed the way they dealt with it. It changed the way they handled it. And it brought radical change within the church of Jesus Christ. I'm convinced if there's one area that we as believers need to see revival, it's in the area of our stuff. How we think about it, how we hold it, how we possess it. Our stuff. Someone said, well, does it really make a difference whether we're owners or whether we're stewards? How we view that? Of course it does. Because it makes a huge difference in how we behave and how we respond to God and what we're willing to do when God prompts us. Kind of reminds me of the story of the pastor who changed the order of service and rather than doing worship and offering and then the message, he started the service with the message. The first time he did it, a first grader leaned over and said to her mother, Mom, doesn't he know we haven't paid him to talk yet? Sometimes that's the way we are. Things have to flow in order in order for us to get it in structure. But my question is, why do we really view what God has given to us as ours? Are we really owners or are we merely stewards of his blessing? Why do we give when we come on Sundays and Wednesdays? Why do we give online and set it so that it comes out regularly and systematically? Why do you do that? Is it because we have utility bills to pay and staff paychecks to meet? Or is there a greater reason, a better reason? First Chronicles chapter 29, David is actually raising an offering to furnish the temple that his son Solomon will then build for the living God. And he says these words in verse 2, Now for the house of my God I have prepared with all my might these things. And he goes on to list them. Verse 3, Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. In other words, I didn't just ask people to bring things in. I didn't just gather it from the nation. But over and above all of that, I determined to do something for the house of God myself. Look at verse 4. 3,000 talents of gold. This is what David gave out of his own wealth. Do you have any idea how much that is, 3,000 talents of gold? Let me put it in English. It's 113 tons of gold. There's 2,000 pounds in a ton. There's 16 ounces in every pound. You do the math. That's millions and millions and millions of dollars. David, from his own resources, gave to build the house of God. And then he went on to say, 7,000 talents of refined silver. 7,000 talents of refined silver. Again, tens of thousands of millions of dollars David gave. And then he goes on to say, the people too gave to the work of the Lord in verse 7. And then he listed out, look at verse 9. Then the people rejoiced for they had offered willingly, because with a loyal heart they had offered willingly to the Lord. And King David also rejoiced greatly, because they offered willingly, because they chose to give God what they recognized as His. 
So when we come with our offerings and our tithing and our giving to the Lord Jesus Christ, why do we do it? David answered it very clearly in these verses of Scripture. Look at verses 13 through 16. He went on to say in that passage of Scripture, Now therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name, because who am I and who are my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? All things come from you, and of your own we have given you. Did you hear what he said? All things come from you. And of your own, we have given you. What was the principle that David was conveying to you and I today? That everything we have, our stuff, comes directly from God. You say, oh no, I work for that stuff. It was by the sweat of my brow. It was my labor that caused it to come about. That's not what David said. He said, everything comes from you. You have given it to us to begin with. Kind of reminds me of the scientist who came to God one day and said, we've decided we don't need you anymore. We can clone men, we can clone animals, we can transplant hearts, we can do all these things that were thought impossible just a few years ago. We really don't need you anymore. God said, well, if that's the fact, let's have a contest. Let's create a man. And the scientist said, yes, let's do it. And God said, no, no, no. We're going to do it the old school way, just like I made Adam. The scientist said, okay, you're on. And he reached down to pick up a handful of dirt. Because Adam was made for dirt. You remember that, right? And God said, no, no, wait a minute. Go get your own dirt. <laughs> Listen, folks, we got to remember everything comes from God. Everything. The dirt, the air we breathe, the oxygen in the atmosphere, the metals that are in the ground, even the ability to labor, to work, the skills, the resources, the intellect, the talent that is poured into you, enabling you to earn a living. Everything comes from God. That's what David made very, very true. So why is that important? Why is it important that we understand that everything comes from God? First, it's important because it's absolutely true. Read it again in verse 14. David said, all things come from you, and of your own we have given you. Did you catch that last part? And of your own we have given you. He didn't say from our stuff we gave it to you. He said, and of your own. You see, if we really believe that God has set us here to be stewards and he owns everything, it's not mine. It's not Yvonne's. The title to the cars, the deed to the house, the money in the banks, the retirement accounts, that's not ours. It all belongs to him. Of our own, we, of your own, we have given to you. That's why James wrote it this way in James 1.17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights, from the Lord of glory, with whom there is neither variableness nor shadow of turning. Everything we have as believers comes from God. It's originated in Him. It belongs to Him. And it helps us to realize that we can't do anything without using something that God has already created and given to us. We can't do anything without using something God created. The idea is not only true that everything belongs to God, but in the believer's life, it becomes pitiful, pivot, pivotal. It becomes critical. It becomes vastly important. Because our attitude towards what we have, our stuff, directly affects how we behave. Directly affects our attitude towards that stuff. It treats not only how we behave and how we give our gifts to God, it affects how we treat God. A few years ago, when our oldest grandson, who's now 15, 
was maybe three years old, Yvonne and I would go over to see him in Tulsa, and Connor would ask him, where do you want to go eat? And he'd always say McDonald's. Now, we didn't really like McDonald's, but Connor did. That's all that mattered. His parents didn't like McDonald's, so he never got to go. So when Pops and Vaughn came, you bet we're going to McDonald's. We never ate there because we didn't like the food, but he loved it. I remember buying him a Happy Meal. He sat down and opened those chicken nuggets and had those fries beside him. And even though I don't really like it, I'm thinking, man, those fries look really good. So I reached over to take one and he pulled the whole package back. And I thought, son, you don't understand. I just bought those for you. I just gave those to you. If I wanted to, I could go buy every fry in this joint and dump it on this table. If I wanted to, I could go get my own French fries. Then it dawned on me. His reaction towards me, very similar to our reaction towards God. God asks us to give something and we pull it back. Oh no, that's mine. You can't have that. You can't touch that. That's mine. It affects how we treat God. We need to understand that. And it doesn't just happen to kids. It happens to all of us. All of us at one time or another have had that response to something God asks. We need to understand there's two reasons why we need to understand everything belongs to God. The first is what we call the golden rule. Now, I know some of you are already at Matthew chapter 6, right? Where Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. That's not the golden rule I'm talking about. Golden rule I'm talking about is he who has the gold sets the rules. That's the golden rule I'm talking about. You see, if we believe our own money is ours, then we get to decide how much of that God gets and what's done with that money we give to God. We want to control it from start to finish. Reminds of the story of a very wealthy man who was a part of a church and he was upset with the decision that was made. So he went to the pastor and he said, I'm not going to give anymore until this decision is reversed. They talked it through and talked about it and just couldn't make any headway. Finally, the pastor said, well, we need to pray about this. So he had him kneel down and they kneeled, knelt down together and he began to pray, dear God, you've heard what this dear believer said. He said he isn't gonna give anything more to your house until we reverse a decision that he didn't like. God, really what he's saying is I'm gonna start robbing from you. And he said, oh, whoa, 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 wait a minute. That's not what I meant. Sure it is. When we determine we know better than God and we should control what God does with what we give him, then we become the ones who are in charge and God wants to be in control. We can't determine how much he gets and what he does with it. It's already prescribed and planned. We simply follow the plan. Somebody say amen. amen. Second reason it's important is the praise factor. He who owns the gold always gets the praise. He who owns the gold always gets the praise. If it's my offering, if I own it, if it belongs to me, then the more I give to the church, the more likely it is I'm going to get some praise. Kind of like the guy in the well-established church in the big city gave $150,000 to replace their pipe organ. He received all kinds of applause and accolades, even a plaque thanking him, hung it right up there by the pipe organ. But they missed the fact there was a lady sitting in that congregation that had been there for years, living on Social Security. In every service, she budgeted her income so she could bring her best gift to the living God. Not a word was said to her. No appraise, no accolades, no plaques were given to her. What am I saying? Often the one who has the gold gets the praise. 
That's not the way God wants it in His kingdom. He wants us to understand it doesn't matter how much or how little we have. What matters is the attitude of our heart when we give it to Him. When we bring it to Him. Jesus said, where your treasure is, Matthew 7, it's there. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, we all have treasures. The question is, how do we hold on to those? Do we give them to God willingly or do we retain them as our own? Look at what David says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 16 and 20. O Lord our God, as for all this abundance, we have provided for the building of you, for you a temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand. All of it belongs to you. Then David said, verse 20, then David said to the whole assembly, praise the Lord your God. So they all praised the Lord, the God of their fathers. They bowed low and fell prostrate before the Lord and the king, and God honored that. Listen, David said, because you have brought things willingly, now we're going to give praise to God. We're going to worship God. They praised him for the temple that was to be built. They praised him for his kindness and for his provision to them as a people. But most importantly, they praised him for the abundance that came in to prepare to build the house of God. And when you read this entire chapter, David's one focus is that he doesn't get credit. The Israelites don't get credit. Solomon doesn't get credit, but that God gets all the praise and all the glory. Every time we bring an offering to give to the Lord, it should be with the attitude, God receive all the praise and all the glory. It doesn't matter if it's a widow's mite that we're giving or if it's hundreds of thousands of dollars. God receive all the praise. God receive all the glory because that reveals where our heart is at. The idea that God owns everything is critical because it's a measure of our spiritual maturity. Love the way you're shouting now. You received that so well, I'm going to say it again. We need to understand that the idea that God owns everything is critical to us as a believer because it's a measure of our spiritual maturity. I can't afford to give. No, you can't afford not to. You see, because when you choose to honor God, God chooses to honor you. Every command with the promise you should jump all over. You could say, that's mine. I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to live it. And I'm going to see what God is going to do in my life. You need to understand God is able to do more with what you have left over than what you had total if you'll simply put your faith in Him. Can't explain why it happens. It's a supernatural principle. I can just tell you it happens. I can just tell you it happens. You see, David saw his offering as a test of the heart. And can I tell you, money is the biggest test for every believer. The church can ask us to give our time, and we'll do so willingly. Church can ask us to give our talents, we'll do so willingly. I'll sing, I'll teach, I'll preach, whatever you want me to do, preacher. Yeah, absolutely, sign me up. But ask me to give? Man, you just fell off the funny train. I'm not a part of that. Tom, come back, please. Bruce Larson wrote one time that I saw a bumper sticker that said, Smile if they love Jesus. He said, So I was smiling at everybody, and everybody thought I was working for Joe Biden. Then he said, Saw a bumper sticker that said, Honk if you love Jesus. So I was honking all the time, and I got a ticket for disturbing the peace in a hospital zone. He said, then I saw a bumper sticker that said, wave if you love Jesus. So I was waving with both hands and crashed into the back of the Baptist bus. 
So how do I know, how do I show people that I love Jesus? It's not about smiling, it's not about honking, it's not about waving. The true measure of our heart and our relationship with Jesus Christ is how we view our giving. Do we understand it all belongs to Him? Do we understand nothing that I have is mine, it's His? See, let me, let me clarify for just a moment. Nothing you give, no matter how large or how great, is going to affect your salvation. Salvation is a free gift from God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You can't weasel your way into it. All you can do is acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins, to change your life, to be your Lord. And in that moment, you receive the free gift of salvation. And He changes your life. But I will tell you, if you don't get on top of and get control of the attitude towards giving, you will never mature as a believer. You're going to sit there as a baby Christian for the rest of your life, and every time the wind blows, you're going to get knocked over. Every time trouble comes, you're going to say, where's God? Doesn't he love me anymore? But when you begin to allow God to discipline and disciple you in the area of your heart that is most vital, and that is your stuff, then there's no bounds on where he's going to take you. The maturity you're going to receive and grow into. There's no bounds on the faith that's going to rise in your spirit if you will simply stop thinking, it's all mine. And stop believing everything I have came from his hand. Everything I have is the result of his goodness and his mercy in my life. See, until we're willing to commit a portion of our income to building the kingdom of our God will never be the disciples Jesus called us to be. We will never be the disciples Jesus called us to be. Read the story this week about a man who owned a restaurant. Ushers, would you come and begin distributing those gifts to everyone, please? I have something just for you today. And he was so devout in his faith and so sold out to what God wanted him to do to build the kingdom that he never charged a pastor for a meal eaten in his restaurant. This went on for years. He would never charge him. All he would say is no charge. You get what you want. No charge. One day a friend of his who was a pastor happened to be there standing by the cash register when he pushed the button to ring another customer out and the door opened. He saw the coins. He saw the paper money and the bills. And on top of the stack that held the highest denomination of bills, he saw a six-inch nail. Looked something like that. He thought, well, now that's really odd. Why would this guy have a six-inch nail in his cash drawer? So I asked him, why is that nail in there? It doesn't even make sense to me. It's not holding the money down. Why is it there? And the restaurant owner said, I keep this nail to remind me of the price that Christ paid for me and my salvation and to remind me how much I owe him. Sing it out, Tom. Jesus paid it all. Let that statement settle into your heart. Hold that nail in your hand. Remember the price that was paid for your salvation. Remember Jesus paid it all. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? 
Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.